Welcome to the Down to Business Podcast with Alex Kirby, where entrepreneurs and small businesses cut to stretch themselves and grow their company. From interviews to in-depth discussions, you'll learn how to market effectively, increase profits, and become the leader your company needs you to be. Now, let's get down to business. So, I thought it'd be funny to start with... I was thinking about the stories about how we met mm-hmm. in college, and I, w- I would love for you to guess the three I wrote down. But what's do you know the first memory I have of me and you meeting and hanging out? No, but on the way here, I was like, this is a total, like, full circle <laughs> moment. Is it not? Yes. Like, I, so number one, you know, whenever we were discussing about this being a possibility, I'm like, is it okay to call him curbs it's at okay. this point in his it's life? Okay you know, like, um, but I just, I, so number one, I want to say it was the very first day. First day, it was that w- that we were moving in um, at Newberry, and uh, you remember what show was popular at the time? Jersey Shore. That's what we started watching. Okay, first yeah. season. I was gonna say, um, <laughs> I just remember this kid like popping in, being oh, like, man. "Yo, like want to be friends?" Yeah, and it was you, obviously. Um, and so it's so funny, you know, and even even when I remember like telling Wes like. No, me and me and Kirby are friends. Yeah. Like, and he's like, "That's my teammate." And yeah. I'm like, no, Who, that's he my, didn't that's like. That's my me. very first friend. What's like, so funny about Wes is he and I did not like each other the first two years. We were, could be more complete opposites, and so for us to be like the middle bridge, like yeah. you to be the bridge of that, is yeah. so funny. Like my good friend, my soon to be husband. How does oh, that yeah. work? That's so funny. I remember Jersey Shore like it was yesterday. That's why I wrote down right here. I was like, Jersey's. Dude, Jersey's. <laughs> and you and I would just chill and watch and laugh. Mm-hmm. And because, mm-hmm. because, and Logan uh, went to Carolina, but we at Newberry, where we went to college, had an only freshman dorm. Oh, yeah. So all the freshmen were in one building. Horrible idea. Horrible idea, but also awesome. manifested the best relationships yeah, yes. with people. Um, <laughs> it was I don't cool. know if other people have that experience. I was, but. D- I was, I still DM and, and message like some people that I'm not necessarily close to, but I feel yeah. like I am because of the experience. Yeah. So like I messaged Jolly the other day, oh, he had yeah. a baby and Emily Moyer, who's yeah. em- Emily Rickenbaker. God, so know, everybody's for me. still made I know, for me, so, so hard, <laughs> but, um, that was the first one I had. Then the second was, didn't you drive a Volkswagen Beetle? Yeah. And I remember that thing was busted. It was, <laughs> I remember because you got me into every cool, like sorority event oh yeah for like two years which katie's but uh <laughs> dude katie was so tight and but i remember one night i, I want to say that there were extra extracurriculars had occurred and i was the non-drinker in the group mm-hmm. and i remember packing about seven people in your bug i mean it was was amazing. it green or yellow no, mine was silver silver um so one of my roommates she had a green bug green one but um we used to load that thing Dude. down. And I tell people now, like, I'm a professional mover because the fact that I could pack up a whole entire dorm room and fit it in my mug, oh it's still so funny. is outstanding to me. I but. remember that so vividly. And then the last one I remember, and I hope Gracie ends up watching this. Oh, gosh. Is um, <laughs> the last <laughs> one I remember is the one of the first nights that I think Gracie and Griff met, if I'm not mistaken is you and I and Gracie were out on the post office porch. Do you remember this night? Where, like, the mail room was? Yeah, I know where you're and talking I had about. And I had just started playing no, guitar. I do remember this. I just started playing guitar. 
I think it was sophomore year. Because what dorm did you live in? I lived in Cromer. Cromer, right? Yeah. Yeah. The the one right there. Mm -hmm. And I I was just learning to play guitar. And I think I was just playing around. And you and Gracie ended up like, oh, play some songs. I didn't know how to play crap. But you guys were feeling good. So it sounded great. And then the next next thing I knew, I think Griff ended up coming by. And that's when they met. I do remember that. I was positive that's when they met. Or one of the first times, yeah. And they're now now they're married, but we stayed out there till like three in the morning. Yeah, which is ridiculous to think about now. Oh my god! Because gosh. me staying out till midnight is like a that's struggling old lady me. style. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. I stay up late. I'm a I'm a night owl. I still stay up to like one o'clock most yeah. nights and wake up at seven. I'm most like days. in bed, skincare done by nine. So funny. <laughs> So, anyways, those are those are funny memories. I just wanted to. I didn't know if you'd remember those. Oh yeah. But um. Okay. So so time to tell people. You know, imagine people are listening. What do you do now? You're in marketing. This is what's so perfect. Now you're in marketing. Mm-hmm. What, what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Kind of talk about. I mean, you're working for one of the top companies in the state in terms of orthopedics. You have a huge plate with lots of vegetables on it. Oh yeah. Kind of talk yeah. a little bit about what you do. Yeah. So I I market for an orthopedic practice here in Columbia, an orthopedic and neurosurgical. neurosurgical group Mm -hmm. um you know it it's healthcare isn't my background um I graduated with a degree in mathematics um which you don't really know how much math maybe your statistics is involved when it comes to marketing when you start right you think of marketing and you think of a commercial or like a billboard and um as fun as that is to design you can't design stuff without a purpose behind right. it. So I actually have found that having a math degree is sort of beneficial in this Data, realm. Data, analytics, all that stuff. Absolutely. But it's also irony because, again, like a full circle moment for me has been, you know, I, I don't know at your high school if you had the opportunity to choose majors. Uh, but we No, we didn't have that We yet. did. So, like, you know – you hear it's pretty popular to have like a, a CNA, a clinical nursing yeah. like major or the cosmetology major. Well, at the high school I went to, we could we could choose outside of sort of those technical fields. And so I chose graphic design. Mm. Um, That's and cool. I just loved it. I loved working in Illustrator and Photoshop and designing T-shirts. And so like now that's what I do for a so living crazy. on top of many other things. Sure. But it's just it's so interesting that. That's where my life has ended up. And um, I'm in charge of, I am the marketing department. Yeah. So we are we are a privately owned practice. So um, not as many locations throughout the entire state, um, but I do everything, you know, commercials, billboards, internal marketing, external marketing, mm. PR, um, community events. So it really does cover a broad basis that I, that I again, was not, fully aware of when accepting a marketing manager position but it happens so often like marketing is so much you know i tell people so i actually asked one yesterday what's your definition of marketing and i can't remember what they said but i I, mine is telling you know storytelling and um what's the company how do you tell their story to as many people and and, and in as many ways as possible and so you don't realize when you get into it like how many verticals of communication there are you know um and that's not even including the inbound stuff no like do you handle all the email marketing stuff that's crazy yeah 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 social media um emails i I do a lot of like uh physician liaisoning so i'm going out and meeting with referring providers and i don't want to say selling our practice but we are a specialized practice not everybody's going to need an orthopedic doctor every single day of their life um and so just kind of 
sharing that we're an open and, and ready to take on your patients like yeah. when the time is needed. Sure. Um, so it's also, you know, it's got like a sales aspect yeah, to it, it too, you know, and I don't know. I've always been one of those girls too, who like, I'm in a grocery store and if something is packaged and marketed in you a great way, it. I'm like, I'm buying it. I don't <laughs> even know what it is. I don't even know if I need it, but I'm buying it because it's cool. <laughs> it's, like, you know. That's how that prime drink is yeah, blown up. Yeah, yeah exactly. I had, I had prime for the first time yesterday. Have you had it? No. Jake Paul's drink. That's like a billion dollars. Is it delicious? It's like pretty good. It's like um, when you put powdered stuff in water mm-hmm. and you mix it, mm-hmm. but the best version you've ever found. Okay, wow. That's, that's how I deem it. That's what I love to do. Okay, you should try it because okay. it has like 25 calories. And I can get that at any regular grocery store. Gas station, everywhere. It's everywhere. Perfect. It's like the fastest growing drink beverage ever. Awesome. Anyways, I did the same. I literally thought, I was like, man, it's a cool bottle yeah. yesterday. <laughs> that's me. And got I got two of them to try the flavors, but... Um, okay. Where I really want to like land today is on the podcast and a lot of our listeners and viewers know this. We try really hard to help people see the intersections of work and life, Mm -hmm. uh, whether you're a business owner or work for a business owner, um, or just are a part of a company that you care about, you know? And I think it's really difficult to see behind, like for, for people to understand me. Like as a business owner, your the life I live is so different and people think they know what it looks like. So I tried to like be behind the scenes. This is what it looks like. Here's the hard decisions I have to make. Vice versa. I don't think owners and bosses know how hard the life is of their employees a lot of the time. So getting behind the curtain on that side, because I think companies that thrive are companies that understand that everyone is going through things. Um, when we're on the same page and same team, we can work a lot better than mm-hmm. your, I'm your boss. Do what I say. Mm-hmm. And then I'm an employee. I have to do what they say. You right. know, just takes a little bit of empathy. Absolutely. Empathy, grace, understanding, mm-hmm. and flexibility. I think flexibility is the one that COVID has taught us is important. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a work from home guy necessarily on a lot of things. I believe some task based jobs can be work from home, but I think like a marketing team, I, I personally think it's better to be, cause we can brainstorming, knock things off, but we can have that discussion another time. But you have been through something that almost 0.0001%. You probably know the stat, actually. I, I don't, but okay. I know it's very minimal, especially for the age. age. So you went through losing your husband. Mm-hmm. You guys were married two years, one year. We were uh, married for one year. We had just celebrated our one year. You just in Hawaii, right? Mm-hmm. And you lost your husband. He was he was tragically killed. And um, he was, you know, my teammate, my mm-hmm. friend. Um I can't even, there's like, I can't even come with the words to say, how in the world are you sitting in front of me today? So give me like the quick story, because I think it's going to be helpful because like just to pre, you know, what we were saying off air, everybody deals with loss. This is not to minimize the way you experience loss because the way you did is I think the worst way. Um, miscarriages, child loss, parents, like everyone has it. And I think it's, I've learned over the last 90 days, I was telling you that um, good friends lost somebody, their brother recently, um, lost my grandparents last couple of years. We all experienced loss, but the way you did it and the way that you've transformed from that, I think is going to be super helpful to people because it's not talked about. Like, yeah. sorry for your loss, and then people move on. Right. And, and, I, and to the last thing I'll say before I let you say your story, which is amazing, is this lady, when I was at my friend's uh, brother's funeral, he passed away a couple months ago in a tragic car accident. Nothing happening except driving down the road. This pastor said, 
Some of you will forget tomorrow mm -hmm. in this room. Some of you will forget next week, next month, next year. The family will never forget. Never forget to help them not forget. Mm -hmm. And they, she was, they were challenging us to, to be uh, impactful in the way we love them through it. Yeah. And so talk a little bit about what happened, how your life has changed, mm -hmm. and how it's impacted your work and life career because life doesn't stop. That's the problem, right? Yeah. Life doesn't stop. Yeah. So I'll, I'll start with like a little bit of backstory, just yeah. kind of about me and Wes and our relationship so that people can understand. <laughs> um, so the story is just ironic in itself of, of how we met. Um, it was, he was a year younger than me. Um, Cougar. Yeah. What can I say? <laughs> I like him young. Um, just kidding. And... Um, so my freshman year of college, I, I, I went to school for, again, got my math degree, yeah. was getting my education cert certification so that way I could teach. Um, and so my freshman year, I had an internship at his high school. And so he was a senior in high mm. school at this time. And um, I was assigned to a math teacher. I basically was grading papers for her and cutting things yeah. and, you know, but an internship nonetheless. Um, and one day I was, I was helping one of um, the students in this teacher's class, he basically had to graduate. Mm -hmm. Um, and lo and behold, it was Wes's best friend. Um, and so one day at lunch I was helping Cody, that was Wes's best friend, um, walking through a test and Wes walked in, I guess, to meet him or, or meet up do for lunch. Do what guys do. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't try to understand that. <laughs> um, and Cody introduced us and it was funny the next day, Cody came and was like, Wes told me he's going to marry you. Mm. And I was like, okay, number one, this is annoying. I'm in college now, yeah. and this is a high school kid, right? Like, mm, nobody wants that. Um, and then Cody was killed actually the day before graduation, yeah. um, high school graduation for them. So from there, as mine and Wes's relationship progressed, we always kind of contributed Cody to Absolutely. being our guardian angel, you know, yeah. and and bringing us together. And so Wes came to Newberry, uh, played baseball there. That's obviously, again, your teammate. Um, and we were together for seven years. Yeah. So we dated for four years. We're engaged for three years because I'm indecisive and can't make a decision on weddings. Um, and then we got married. Um, we're married for a year. Um, and it was just a month after our year anniversary. Like you said, we had gone to Hawaii for like trip of a lifetime. Yes. Um, also, I was sort of one of those people that um, has always been intimidated at the thought of having a child. Yeah. And so I kept on using that as an excuse as to why, well, we haven't had our honeymoon yeah. yet. So I don't want to have a kid until we have our honeymoon. Right. So Wes was like, I'm planning <laughs> the freaking honeymoon then. So like, let's get rolling. Baller, yeah. Um, so, um, it was December 20th of 2019, and um, we had both gone to Christmas parties that night, um, me with some of my girlfriends from high school and him to a different one, and I just got a phone call um, that something tragic had happened and, and found out that he had been killed that night. Um, and so in that moment, I, I can't even describe what that feels like, right? Yeah. And especially at that time, I was what, 28 years old. 
Um, and again, just having a vision for your future and thinking that it was going to play out in these exact steps and at these exact times of your life, um, to feel that kind of ripped away from you on top of grieving your best friend, grieving your husband, um, not understanding really what happened that night. It was, it was gut wrenching. Um, but I remember, and my mom still credits me for this to this day. Um, I remember she always tells the story, at least I don't remember. I'm gonna be honest. It was like a fog for uh, at least a month of not really knowing what I, what happened, what was said, anything. Um, but she said, you know, that night that it happened, you know, my parents obviously came to my house to be with me. And, um, she said, I just remember you looking at me and, and being like, God's got me. I remember that. You remember I came the next day? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you, you probably don't remember. Well, <laughs> I, I came I the next day and you were in your bed I with your sister. I think that was sis- like my mantra. You were in right? your bed with your sister crying mm-hmm. and you said that. Yeah. It's a hundred percent true. And, um, you know, after that time has passed, you sort of mm-hmm. are able to articulate your thoughts and your words a little bit better. And I think that was probably just the raw emotion, like the best way that I could put it. Right. And I think now that I've had a chance to look back and, and figure out what exactly was going through my head at that time. Um, I think I describe it as when something tragic happens in your life and, you know, you touched on there's different types of losses and, number one, I have learned to hate when people compare like losses to losses. To me, it's, if that's the most tragic thing that has happened in your life, like, oh my God, feel whatever way it is that you need to feel. That's very compassionate to think that way. Um, and so regardless of what that tragedy is, I think that you have two choices and I think you can let it break you Mm. and, and people aren't going to judge you for that. Right. Like if I were to crawl up in a hole and be a hermit the rest of my life, I don't think people would be like, Oh my God, why is she doing that? Yeah. I think they would be very understanding of why. Right. Um, or I think you can just kind of saddle up and say, I refuse to let this break mm. me. And I think that that was just my decision. It was just a mindset. And again, that's not to say that there are days where I feel broken. Right. There was an extensive period of time that I did. But at the end of the day, I just knew that I had to take steps to get to a point where I felt normal again, yeah, whatever for lack your of new a normal better is. term, you know? Yeah. Um, I knew that, that that grief and that sorrow that I felt, it, it couldn't be a daily thing for me. Like, What, what made you, what, do you remember either like a conversation or a moment? Because there were a lot of them. Mm-hmm. That kind of made because because you just said the most beautiful thing the, the the two points but what what helped you so that someone what what helped you realize that there was option two because at first I'm broken and I have no idea what pieces back together looks like with this am I right yeah when did option number two even come to light for somebody that doesn't see any other option but number one yeah so I think that. I've, I've always considered myself a person of faith. You know, I, I believe in God. I'm a Christian. I, I don't want to say it doesn't matter what your belief is because I do think it matters. However, I think whatever religion or whatever basis that you can focus on as to why we are here, I think you have to turn to that thing at that point because, you know, you read in the Bible and you hear of people giving these testimonies of like, 
you know, I was, I was broken and God showed me the way. Overcomer. It's sort of like, Overcomer yeah. Stuff. And it's like, okay, but like, I don't want to say you don't take that seriously, but you don't understand that yeah. until you understand right. it. Right. And, um, I think I just knew from an immediate standpoint, like I, I have to turn to something that gives me hope. And I think whatever your religion is, it should provide you hope. Mm. Right. And for me, that was knowing that I still have a purpose. Um, and so I think I just had to focus on that. I think outside of that, um, I've, I don't know if you have ever known this about me until I've been more vocal about it, but I have always struggled with anxiety and depression, like from a very early age. Um, people would never know that about you the way you came come across. Well, um, people I, say that. I don't think I knew that until maybe a year and a half ago when we had lunch with Faith at El Himidor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I like, I vividly remember mm -hmm. being in elementary school and like having panic attacks because it's just, I didn't want to be around yeah. people. Yeah. Um, or I would get so worked up over something and, you know, I, I joke around now cause you have to find some sense of dark humor, I think through what you have struggled through. Um, but my mom used to send me to school with Tums because I would complain that my stomach was upset mm. from the anxiety and she'd be like, you take your special medicine. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a great parenting <laughs> hack. So, uh, don't take that to heart. But, um, <laughs> I think as I've, as I've grown up, you know, I, I didn't really know that it was anxiety. You know, yeah. I didn't know to call it that. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, doing research, being diagnosed with that, understanding that there are different ways to treat that. Um, I am, some call me a hippy, dippy, trippy type of person, but like, I'm just, a, I'm, I like to take holistic approaches on things. And um, it was sort of my mindset that I'm never going to, be stuck on a medication that requires me to take it every single day to yeah. feel normal. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so throughout life I've had to develop ways to cope with anxiety. And so I guess through this tragedy, that's obviously heightened times a million, 100%. but I just had to lean on those things that I knew that had worked for me in the past mm. and hear me say, that's not instantaneously sure. that I'm feeling better. It's not like I'm going to write three things down in my journal that I'm grateful for. And all of a sudden right. there's rainbows and butterflies chirping around me. I love to talk about, man, I love to ask you a question because I would say as a guy until the last couple of years, the word therapy freaked me out. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, broken people, people who are on the cusp of losing it all go to therapy. Then I heard somebody say online, or I can't remember. They said the craziest quote they said, you don't go to the gym only because you're out of shape. Mm -hmm. You go to the gym to stay in great shape mm -hmm. physically. You go to therapy to stay in great shape mentally and spiritually. And it just totally floored the way I thought about because, you, you know, you think yeah. you go to therapy because you're like at the end of your rope. Yeah. No, no, you go to therapy so you never get to the end of the rope. Right. Okay, so I haven't necessarily had to go or, or gone. Maybe I should. But um, I've had some friends and loved ones lately go and they talk about the benefits I know going to a therapist, would you mind just sharing it quickly, like what that's done for you, Yeah. Um, how helpful that has or has not been? Maybe it hasn't been helpful. Yeah, no, um, I'm a huge advocate for therapy. Um, and you're right. I think, I don't know if it's just a culture of today's day and age. I don't know if it's a culture of United States. I'm not, I don't, I don't know that. So don't hold me to the yeah. fire for that, but I do feel like we're a very reactive country when it comes to mental health. Mm -hmm. 
instead of a proactive yeah. country. Um, and again, that's just my opinion and, and knowing people that have struggled with some severe mental illnesses because yeah. that's what it is, right? Um, it's it's hard for them to feel like they have a bunch of options and to feel like it's not frowned upon. So um, immediately after this happened, I remember requesting, and again, my mom was h- huge in my in my growth through yeah. this, um, just being so supportive. I mean, she literally moved in with me, um, and I and I just told her I was like, I need a therapist. Like, find me someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started going to therapy, um, and I and I did go to a specific trauma and grief therapist, yeah. um, which I think is also good for people to hear in the sense of a therapist is there to obviously help you. If you're not meshing with the first person that you go see, like, please go see somebody yeah, else. Exactly. Like there are plenty of therapists out there and and you should feel comfortable and confident with the person that you're it's talking like soda to. soda flavor. You don't 100%. like the first one, try the different one. You don't like a gym. You're going yes. to a different gym. Yes. You don't like your doctor. You're going to a different right. doctor. It's the same thing. Like don't feel tied to that. Um, so I started therapy and at, and at first I was going two times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, uh, that's what I felt like was necessary for me to stay afloat. And at first, you know, it was just truly, I credit my therapist, you know, after, after Wes had passed away, like I couldn't even feed myself. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't worried about showering. Yeah. I wasn't worried about if the dishes were washed, right. you know? And so my therapist really helped me get a grasp on reality and the sense of, the only way you're going to feel normal again, and I use that term lightly because I don't know what else to say, but the only way you're going to feel normal is if you do your normal routine again. So at first it was as simple as you used to wake up every morning and make yourself a protein smoothie. Do that again. That's your goal for this week. You're going to make yourself a protein smoothie mm-hmm. every single day. The next week it was, you haven't been grocery shopping on your own in two months. I want you to go to the grocery store by yourself mm-hmm. and let's just see how you feel. And it was sort of somebody to guide you along these steps Normal rhythms. to get back to a place where, oh, wait, I am a functioning adult yeah. again, you know? And then from there, it's really been a process of, number one, I mean, it's been three and a half years since yeah. he has passed away. And so there's different milestones that you hit. You know, it's, you know, there was a lot of emotions surrounding me selling the house that we lived in and trying mm. to find somewhere new to live. Yeah. And there's a lot of emotions around his birthday every single year or our anniversary every single year. And so it's somebody there to sort of be that third party. Um, and to say, you know, I think the biggest thing that I've had to struggle with is finding resources where I felt like what I was feeling was okay. Yeah. You know, and I think we had this conversation a couple weeks ago that there, there are books out there. I'm not discrediting any type of book, or or blog or whatever that is out there but in a lot of circumstances it's women who have lost their husband regardless in what way whether that be a medical illness or just old age but they're older and so it was very hard for me at 28 to come to the realization like I do still have a lot of life left to live and is it okay that I'm feeling this way Mm. should I feel this way and so a therapist has really provided me with sort of that comfort in saying it's okay to feel whatever way you feel because you're right. It's like an emotional coach. Exactly. You know, That's a great way to put it. The way you're describing it. Yeah. And it's and it's sort of validating those difficult conversations that I could riddle my anxious brain with yeah. until the cows come home, right? Yeah. Um, 
And so it, w- it was tremendous for me and it still is. I mean, I still go twice a month. So, yeah. um, and, and I don't want to say that I don't need her as much now. I think I'll always go to therapy yeah. at this point. Um, but I think as time has gone on, you just taper off because the tools that your therapist give you, it should allow you to not need them. Mm. Again, just like a medication, yeah. you don't need that every day. You right. shouldn't need your therapist right. all the time. Right but you should feel comfortable going to them and asking them for guidance. That's great. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we're going to come back and uh, finish up our conversation with Ashlyn Camp. Lawns, landscaping, and outdoor awesomeness. It's what your business does best. Managing your vehicles and optimizing efficiency with the latest technology is what GPS TrackIt does best. GPS TrackIt provides a 24-7 view of where your company vehicles are and how efficiently they're operating, saving you time and money. With more than 12,000 customers, GPS TrackIt has delivered peace of mind for lawn and landscape companies for 20 years. Are you ready to protect your vehicles and save money? Talk with one of our fleet advisors. No pressure, no hassle. Call the number that's attached here in our link on our show notes or anywhere on social media or visit www.gpstrackit.com to learn more. Okay, Ashley, I just have a couple more questions. Uh, You've been unbelievably amazing doing this. I think this is one that I'm super interested to hear your response. I wrote this down thinking, I don't know, like I can't imagine your answer. How How did coworkers or places you work, because I know you've worked at a couple places during this, um, you know, last few years while dealing with this tragedy. How did they, like, encourage or help you and give you flexibility? Like, you're, you've shared with me, like, there were days you had to call and be like, I can't get out of bed. And they obviously understood that. So I think it's helpful for people, you know, other business owners watching or people who work somewhere to kind of like, oh, okay, that's what's like, that makes, that's normal or a business owner who's never had someone yet experience this who's worked for them. So can you kind of give some insight on, on like how can coworkers or bosses be more helpful in times of loss or tragedy? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I will say that I have been tremendously blessed by the bosses that I've had throughout these three and a half years, because as you said, there are still days now that are very difficult for me to feel like I'm going to be a huge asset at work that day. You know, um, I will say that after Wes passed away, um, I was working at a school doing some secretarial type work. Um, and I owe that school so much of my healing Mm. Um, or like the progress that I've received through healing. Um, so I don't know how many companies have or what their PTO policies are like. Right. But ours, you know, was a bucket. So there was no sick leave versus vacation leave versus it's all one thing. Right. Um, and obviously you don't have an unlimited supply of that. And also, FYI, didn't plan on this happening, sure, right? So, so like, some of it. right? So like, yeah. I think I had maybe thirty something hours of PTO at the time. <laughs> it's like three days. And also, um, you know, through the district, this is district policy. You know, it was uh, there's no bereavement time mm. that gets pulled out of your PTO, right? Um, or there might have been like a day or two of bereavement time, but needless to say, there's not an extensive yeah. circumstance for for this. 
And I'll say that my boss was wonderful in the sense of immediately, you know, I had to call and tell her what happened. And it was, you take your time. Hmm. You take your time. Um, and just to hear that and maybe not have that pressure of, oh, my God, I've got 80,000 responsibilities back at work. Mm. Uh, that wasn't even a really a thought, to be honest. That was my biggest thing when when you and I met. I was like, how is she supposed to explain this to like 18 different things yeah. that are expect like friends, friend group normalities, family normalities, work normal, like bills, mm -hmm. like because FMLA, which I learned that about that recently. <laughs> It's unpaid leave. Mm -hmm. So you go on, uh, if for anyone listening, we have like in South Carolina, you can take 90 days or something. I think it's something like that. Unpaid, 60 or 90, 60, I, think. I think. it's 90 because I'm just experiencing this because my father-in-law just had a stroke. Um, what is that? Like, oh, so you are you can't work and you shouldn't work, but you can't get paid and you need to work to pay your bill. Like, it's just a crappy – that was the thought I had was like it all is. of your situations, like how, do, how are you possibly going to rectify them? Well, so – my boss, again, was like, you take your time. Yes. If there's ever a point where it becomes an issue for you pay-wise, like, we'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. That was just her statement. And I think at that point, like, we had a very great relationship. You know, I sort of looked at her as, like, a mother figure yeah. and still do. We still keep in touch. Yeah. And ironically enough, her husband coached Wes when mm -hmm. he went to middle school at the, you know, feeder school for that elementary school I was at. And um, so I just – I didn't worry about it, you know. And But I think, too – coming from a, a boss standpoint, just to play devil's advocate, yeah. I work my butt off. Yeah. People know that I'm dedicated to the role that I am in. Yeah. So it's, and I hope that nobody would use this as a means to, to get out of things. But I think that trusting that I'm going to come back to work yeah. when I fully feel ready to come back right. to work and like trusting that that's my mindset right. because I've always been very career oriented yeah. and, you know, want to be successful and want to feel like I'm contributing to my workplace. I think that that was just uh, understood, yeah. you know, and um, I will say, you know, I, I hate to say this because it causes a lot of controversy and I, and I understand the severity that, that COVID had on a lot of people. Mm -hmm. However, Wes passed away in December of 2019. COVID was four months later. COVID, we were out of school mm -hmm. at that time that spring break four months later. Mm -hmm. And so truthfully, while it was terrible in 98% of the ways that you can think about a pandemic, for, it, was good for you. it allowed me time to heal mm. and not have to worry about showing up at a place every single day. Yeah. Um, and I get, and I, and I hate to call that a blessing, right? It feels weird to yeah. say um, because I had people that were negatively impacted yes. by COVID, yeah. but it was a blessing. It, it's something that I looked at as a positive yeah. to be able to wake up each day and do my devotional and journal and go to therapy without having to worry about how that fits in a schedule. Well, I think you're making a great point about perspective, like perspective to each person can be positive or negative based on the way you're viewing something, you mm -hmm. know, COVID for so many people, not to talk about COVID because gosh, we've talked enough about it. Yeah. But uh, I think, I think that's an interesting way to, to see is like, there were, you know, people would say, I got to spend more time with my kids. Like, yeah. So I, I hear what you're saying on that. But I think, too, like touching on therapy with that. Since then, I've had I had the job at the school. I had a different job. And now I'm marketing manager. Mm -hmm. But each location that I've been at, you know, I'm I'm very upfront and honest that 
I go to therapy and it's a non-negotiable for me. Yeah. Like love it. And not in a rude way, obviously, but my boss knows that there are times every other Thursday that I'm going to therapy and I'm not going to be available. I'm available. And whether that be my lunchtime mm -hmm. for the day or whether that mean that I have to take an hour PTO mm -hmm. or whatever, that's okay with me because that's a priority. Well, that's that flexibility me. we were talking about, like workplaces and you know more than anybody. And that's kind of want to say from my seat here today, the only thing I have to add to the conversation is getting your, giving your employees flexibility because life happens, mm -hmm. you know, like, um, I think yesterday, Logan, producer Logan was like, Hey, I've got small group tonight. Can I leave 30 minutes yeah. early? Absolutely. Yeah. But like our parents' generation, it was like, you better stay until five o'clock on the oh, dot and, and clock out, you know? And it's just like, man, like, and there's still that mentality sometimes yeah. like among coworkers. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think again, I think I said this from the jump, it's just that little bit of empathy that I feel for my bosses. It also, it also makes for a very different connection with them because I feel like they're a little bit more human than they are like this big, mean, scary person. Yes. And not that doesn't take away from my respect for them. If anything, it makes me respect them more Love that it. they're okay with, hey, she does have some things that she wants to work through and I respect that. And that's part of her health and that's part of her sanity to come mm -hmm. here every single day, you know? It's and I think great, that's just a, yeah. an uh, outlook that people should have more mm -hmm. so than not. It's a great insight. Okay. To wrap this kind of up, cause this has been amazing. What's kind of the biggest takeaway or area of growth you've experienced from the strategy or the, the piece of it, piece of advice you would give to somebody who's working their way through it themselves. Do you have something that's just stood out? It does not have to be deep or anything like that, but just one thing that you would say, make sure you do this or there is hope. What's your message to somebody? Well, I, I, I do think that the main message is, is that there, there is light, but I think there's light if you're being disciplined. Mm. And, you know, I used to get so irritated like uh, truth be told when people are like one day you'll move on and like I hate that I, I will never move on from this this has impacted me right? right and there have been ways that it has impacted me negatively and there have been ways that it, it has impacted me positively but it's taken me time and it's taken me discipline and determination to get to that point right. it didn't happen overnight right like I still can't even look back on one day in my life that I was suddenly like perspective shift. Yeah. I, I can use this to my advantage. No crumbs it, at a time. Yeah. And, um, so I think, you know, if people are going through a tragedy or a trauma and they're feeling really, really hopeless, I, I am here as a living proof that you, number one, you all, you will get through it. Um, one of my mom's best friends passed away from cancer two years ago almost. Mm -hmm. And, um, she was a tremendous advocate for me during Wes's loss. And, um, so it was hard to lose her as well, but something that she said stuck with me. And I think that it has just propelled me through my journey for, I hate to use that term too, but <laughs> you use those cliche terms when you have it nothing else to journey. turn to. Journeys don't have destinations. But she told, you know, I, I remember having this really in-depth conversation with her on my back porch one afternoon. Yeah. And I just said, you know, I have a strong faith. I know that God has a plan but it's really hard for me to understand why I'm still here. Yeah. And it was just that, that pain, right. That envelops you. And she looked at me and she said, you're still here. So God is not done with you. Mm. 
And I think just holding on to something like that, just the fact that you're still living and breathing, you're supposed to keep going. Yeah, find a rope to hold on to. And I think you can take that like in any aspect of life, right? Like you're at this job that you're not really happy with. Okay, but like your work isn't done, Yeah. right? Like keep working, keep grinding, keep finding things that give you passion. And hopefully it'll lead you into something that you are really passionate about, you know? And you got to be disciplined. You got to be determined. You've got to have focus and you've got to have a community too, though, you know, and I know it's really easy to want to isolate yourself during those times and keep your boss in the dark, keep your family in the dark, yeah. keep your friends in the dark. Cause you want to feel strong. You want to feel empowered. You don't want to look weak. Right. That's like the most detrimental thing you can do to yourself during that time. Yeah. Would you say, I feel like this, this is something I've learned as being a dad and, and, I, and a husband and a dad, but openness and vulnerability is not weakness. It's not, and it's a hard lesson. It's a hard lesson, yeah. It's hard because I think I've always, you know, prided myself on being, you know, this strong, independent woman, even in mine and Wes's relationship. Like, (laughs) I'm going to do what I want to do. A few times. You know what I mean? Like, I, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm doing. Um, And so I have that willpower behind me, but to me, that always meant not showing emotion. Yeah. I don't really want to know want people to know how much I loved Wes. Right. Right. Cause like, ew, that's gross and mm-hmm. mushy and gushy. Or mm-hmm. like, I don't want people to know like that their friendship really means a whole lot to me because it's like, cause if they pull it out from under me, exactly, yeah. exactly. And so I think that if anything I've learned, and I've always been a huge advocate for mental health with my struggles, with some of my family members struggles, like it is okay to, f- to cry. It yeah. is okay to like reach out to somebody and say, I, I just need somebody to talk to. Mm. And it's been a hard lesson for me to learn. Again, that did not happen overnight. Right. But I think that once you get that community behind you, again, whether that's co- coworkers, whether that's family, whether that's friends, and you're comfortable enough to come to those people and say, I really need to talk to you. I really need to get this off my chest. Then you're going to be an advocate for yourself. You're going to feel a whole heck of a lot better right. than if you keep that bottled up. Mm. Ashlyn, I don't think you understand, and I hope I don't either, how much this is going to help people. And uh, I cannot – it's crazy that we're here today. Are you 30 as well, 31? I'm 31. I'm about to be thir- – <laughs> I'll be 31 in two weeks. And uh, like you said, full circle from going from 18-year-old friends to to what we've you've been through, what we've all journeyed through, and then now um, you've been able to, to help people. Yeah. I don't think you ever saw your life being the helper person like this, right? Like No, like I've always had a were, passion you did your for own thing, Yeah. You know? I've always had a passion for people, but um this is it's it gives you a new outlook on yes. life and um just hope that it resonates with at least one person. It will. I'm proud of you. Thank I love you. you. Thank you. I love you. And uh thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, we love you. Of course. Down to business podcast, Ashlyn Camp here, marketing manager, Midlands Orthopedics, star warrior love you love you thanks